checking out the Anchor Faith Message Podcast from St. Augustine, Florida. Now enjoy this message. In, in my endeavoring um, the, in these morning sessions, I want to unveil the mystery of the kingdom. The mystery of the kingdom. I have learned to discover this uh, over my years uh, now. 2009 was when I was originally first introduced to the kingdom message. And I have noticed this in believers that to whatever degree the kingdom becomes revealed is what determines the level of the kingdom that you live. So the capacity of kingdom life that you live will never exceed the revelation of the mystery. I've watched people try to inform themselves of the kingdom and have failed. But the ones that grasp the kingdom of God are those that... Uh, yield to the revelation capacity of the kingdom. And there is a mystery to the kingdom of God. And in John chapter 3, Jesus is approached by a religious leader named uh, Nicodemus. And in verse 1, it says, there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Your miraculous signs are evidence. They're proof that God is with you. Notice that he's speaking, number one, that he's heard the teaching. And number two, he's seen the supernatural in operation. He's seen the signs and wonders. He's seen the miracles. He's seen the demons cast out, the bodies healed, the dead bodies raised. He's seen uh, these wonderful signs that we know were uh, exhibited through Jesus's ministry on a constant basis. Everywhere he went, he was bringing heaven to earth and he was revealing the supernatural into the natural. He was making the unseen seen. And so he's able to see tangible evidence, real time, real life proof that God is with you. There's something different about you. Don't you know our lives as kingdom uh, citizens ought to be distinguished? There ought to be a contrast between our lives. There ought to be a separation. There ought to be a line in the sand. There ought to be something differentiating you between the world. The way you respond to challenges and issues ought to be different than the way the world responds. The way the the world carries about themselves, what they put their value and their interest in, their opinions and their agendas, what they talk about, think about, uh, look at, Uh, their attitudes, and all these different ways we ought to be distinguished. Amen? Amen. And so he's recognizing this about Jesus. There is something different about you. And Jesus replies in verse 3, and this is where we're going to kind of camp and break this down and hopefully over these next several weeks really uh, begin to leave a deposit here. Jesus replied, he said, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, everyone say born again. You cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, he's just identified, I've heard your teachings. I've seen tangible proof. I've seen the signs and wonders. I've seen the miracles. I've witnessed these things. I've been in the audience. I've been a bystander. I've been able to stand back and say, even in awe, wow, there is something about this man. Don't you know that happened multiple times in Jesus's ministry? That people responded with awe to his teaching. Who is this man that he ministers and teaches with such authority? That they, he even went to his own hometown in Mark chapter 6, the town of Nazareth. And it says that they heard the powerful uh, teaching and that they saw the miracles, signs, and wonders and yet still became offended and said, but isn't he the carpenter's son? Don't we live with his brothers and sisters? Isn't he from Nazareth? And they couldn't reconcile what he was doing with who he was in the natural. It says that they became offended. Because of their unbelief, it says he was able to do no mighty work there except heal a few sick people. The only occurrence that we have where Jesus wasn't able to produce 
uh, the, the signs and the wonders in the totality that he did in many other places. It says he healed all kinds of sickness, all kinds of disease, never came into a situation where he wasn't able to perform and able to uh, operate in the supernatural and the miraculous. He was limited in this capacity. Not because he was off that day. Not because he didn't have his Wheaties, not because he didn't wake up on the right side of the bed, because of their lack of receptivity to his ministry. But yet they saw the miracles and they heard the teachings. There's this matter of hearing and seeing that Jesus continually addresses in his ministry and that we'll find even in the epistles, Paul is addressing this matter of hearing and seeing. And it will either... Your hearing and seeing will either increase or limit your ability to operate in the kingdom of God. Your hearing and your seeing will either increase or limit your ability to operate in the kingdom of God. To what degree you are able to hear, to what degree you are able to see, determines the measure of the kingdom that will be exhibited in your life. And so I've ministered this message now, you know, going on 14, 15 years. I've heard it ministered uh, now for, for such time. And it, it, it seems that no matter how many verses I use, no matter uh, how much uh, evidence I bring, no matter even how much demonstration of the kingdom we can see in the miraculous, if we don't understand these concepts of hearing and seeing, we're going to completely miss the kingdom of God. And we're going to be forced to resort to a mere bystander, maybe applauding a miracle. You know, it's, it's possible to see a miracle yet not be changed by one. Yet it leaves no mark on your life. Yet it leaves you, as Pastor Roddy just said, the same as you were before. People go to church and hear uh, dynamic messages. People uh, uh, get to see these signs and wonders. Many times we think, oh, if you would just give me a sign. Oh, if I would just receive the healing in my body. Oh, if I would just have this deliverance or if you would heal my marriage or restore this or deliver that, that I would, I would believe you and I would follow you and I would uh, uh, see the kingdom of God uh, in totality in my life. But that's just not a true statement. You can't get much more tangible than Jesus walking the earth, the word becoming flesh dwelling among us. You can't get more tangible than God putting himself in flesh and literally being present on this planet. And there are people, believers still today that think we would be better off if Jesus came and walked the earth and they don't have any understanding that the spirit of God lives inside of you. You have it better than they had it. We read the Bible and we wish we could see what Abraham saw and we wish we could see what Moses saw and we wish we could see what David saw and we wish we could see what the disciples and the apostles saw. And you're going to get to heaven. You're going to ask David what it was like to slay Goliath. And you're going to ask Moses what it was like to part the rivers. And, and you're going to ask, uh, you, you know, all these great uh, 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 prophets and, and, and people that God used throughout the word of God. And they're going to look at you and say, I want to know what it was like to have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. Jesus wasn't joking when he said, it's to your advantage <laughs> that I go. You're better off without me because now my spirit can come and reside with you the helper the comforter the intercessor the standby can come live and dwell and abide with you and he will remain with you forever jesus said why do we look back on the past with greater fervor than we do what is yet ahead in our future it's because we aren't hearing and we aren't seeing jesus says that a marker a characteristic of a born-again person is this. They see the kingdom of God. Amen. I wonder if we use the term born again the same way Jesus used it here in John chapter 3. This is what I've learned about Christianity and, and religion and even just church going. This is kingdom rise, right? 
right? This is Kingdom Rise. We're rising to another level. We are coming up in our thinking. We're coming out of just status quo and just barely. Look, here's the thing. If the enemy can't keep you out of the kingdom, he will get you to live its lowest form possible. He wants you to live at the lowest entry level state possible. And so what happens is, is what we fail to understand, we usually redefine. What we fail to understand, we usually redefine. We lower the standard of the term. And I think born again is one of those terms, there's many of them, that without the kingdom lens, without the kingdom framework, without seeing it through the lens of the kingdom of God, we will redefine it and lower it down to praying a prayer of salvation making entrance into a kingdom, only waiting, as Pastor Roddy said, the entirety of our lives until we die and go to be with him in heaven. Only to find out that we wasted a born-again life, a renewed life, a redeemed life, a restored life on the earth, having the same measure, the same capacity, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwelling in you. Wasting away. No, I think Jesus had a different standard for this term, born again, than you and I. This word see means this. It means to know, become aware, behold, understand, and experience. It means to know, become aware, behold, understand, and experience. The kingdom of God, although invisible, is made known in the visible. Jesus prayed in Matthew chapter 6, let, sh- let your kingdom come. He never designed his kingdom to remain in the invisible. It starts in the invisible, but it ought to be transferred into the visible by kingdom citizens that walk about daily bringing his will into this, into this realm into this world, into this life. You and I are confronted daily with opportunities to bring the unseen into the scene. You and I, we, we are never at a shortage of opportunities to bring the kingdom to earth. Not in 2023. Not in the uh, United States of America. Not in a day where every standard of the word is challenged, questioned, and degraded. You and I have plenty of opportunities to make the kingdom of God known. Through our conversations, through our actions, through our attitude, through our responses. Not just in the miraculous, but hey, even in the culture. Culture, this is what culture is. Culture is when action becomes reaction. I'll say that again. Culture is when action becomes reaction, meaning it's the automatic, natural response. And you and I have plenty of opportunities to respond either by the culture of the world or by the culture of the kingdom. There's no shortage of opportunities. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of will we, when we, how we demonstrate the kingdom of God in our lives. Uh, Nicodemus has seen the kingdom of God demonstrated. He's heard the kingdom of God ministered and, and taught dynamically. But yet Jesus makes this weird statement in response. Unless you're born again, you do not even have the capacity to see, to know, to become aware, to behold, to understand or experience the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying this, it should be common for born again believers to see, know, demonstrate, experience, behold the kingdom of God. In essence, it should be more natural for you to live according to the kingdom than according to the world. Should be more natural to perceive things according to the kingdom of God than the world's way of doing things. The culture of the kingdom should be your natural response. It should not just be the action. It should be the reaction. You know, one thing that was telling three years ago was the church's reaction 
to a pandemic, to crisis, to struggle, to challenge, to opposition. Many believers are only one crisis away from walking away from everything they say they stand on. And that's too much of a reality. And that's why we have Kingdom Rise conferences. One crisis away. You don't find out what someone's made of in comfort. You don't even know what you're made of until challenge shows up. You don't even know what you got until crisis pulls and makes a demand on what's inside of you. We have a world today that will give everything to live in comfort. Comfort and convenience are the name of the game. Live as simple, as quiet, as, as, as in the background, in the shadows as possible. When we are called to be taking by violent force, the kingdom suffers violence and the violent take it by force. We should be advancing and offensive churches become defensive. We found ourselves shuttered up indoors rather than bombarding the gates of hell and tearing it down. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus mentions the church. And he says, you will attack the gates of hell and it cannot prevail against you. No weapon formed against you can prosper. I am going to start preaching. I might flip this thing around. Amen. No, he's saying it should be common. Common, regular practice, natural for the believer, the born again believer, the truly according to Jesus's standard of born again, to see, know, experience, behold the kingdom of God. Jesus sets the expectation that the born again life should be marked by a kingdom experience. Jesus sets the expectation that the born again life should be marked by a kingdom experience. And every time someone comes into contact with you, they come in contact with the kingdom. Paul said, I'm an ambassador for chains. Ambassadors don't have opinions. Come on, if people are asking you, what do you think about this and what do you think about that? And you're still spewing your opinion. There might be more of the world in you than the kingdom. It should be the natural reaction. I'll tell you what my king says. Got to be very careful with these things because we are kingdom ambassadors. You, my, my opinion is worth as much as yours. Nothing. Nothing. But my king. My king's got a word. My king's got a law. My king's got a constitution. My king's got a covenant. My king's got an agreement, a binding contract. So we got to honor these things. No, we got to understand that being born again is an invitation to discovery of what's ahead, not just realizing what we've left behind. Say that again. Being born again is an invitation into discovery of what's ahead, not just the realization of what we left behind. A sobering thought. If you ask a believer today, a Christian, what have you been saved from? Oh, they can tell you all kinds of stuff. But if you ask that same believer, now what have you been saved for? All of a sudden it's crickets. Or you might get the typical answer. Heaven. Take us all the way to the end. Now, I don't believe as born again citizens in the kingdom of God, we should have a greater realization of what we were set free from than what we've been set free for. Jesus came to point us forward, not just a mirror looking backward. I'm thankful for the grace of God, the mercy of God, the delivering power of God, the redemption of God, the restoration of God. I'm thankful for the thing that he brought me out of darkness into light, but I want to know what's in the light. He brought me out of death into life, but I want to know what's in life. I don't want to just be, we are more acquainted with what he got us out of. No wonder it's so easy that we fall back into it. 
We're more familiar with what he's delivered us from than what he's delivered us for and delivered us into. We've got to have a forward thinking born again. A forward thinking, what am I pressing on toward? I forget the things that, I, that lie behind. I'm pressing toward the mark. I'm pressing in. I'm enduring. I'm persevering. I'm pushing through. I'm overcoming. No, we've got to have the standard that Jesus set for being born again. There's a mystery of the kingdom of God. He says being born again means that you can see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus responds in verse four. He says, what do you mean? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? What a weird thing to say. Like, even if you're thinking it, just think it. <laughs> we don't need to vocalize that part. We don't, you, you said the quiet part out loud, Nicodemus. We don't need to say that. But verse five, Jesus responds, I assure you, he says this, no one can enter, everyone say enter, enter, the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can only reproduce human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. He says this, don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, so we can hear something but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born of the spirit. In verse nine, Nicodemus is just getting more confused through this conversation. He says, how are these things possible? And I love Jesus's response. You're a respected Jewish teacher. Like you're the elite. You're, this is the top dogs right here. I shouldn't have to be explaining this to you. But he's going deeper to show Nicodemus, you haven't made any entrance at all. You know, and you know, and you know, and you have filled your head with knowledge, but you have failed to fill your spirit with revelation. And this is the thing about the mystery of the kingdom of God. You cannot inform someone of the kingdom. You can only reveal the kingdom. Matthew 16, Jesus proved this. When he had the conversation with the disciples, who do men say that I am? And the first few answers gave him a lot of information. Yeah. Well, you're one of the prophets, Elijah, maybe John the Baptist. But then Peter speaks up, right? By unction of the Holy Spirit. And he says, what? You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus quickly lets him know flesh and blood has not told you this. This is not something you were informed of. This is something by my Father in heaven through the Spirit has revealed to you. Yes. The mysteries of the kingdom are not informed, they are revealed. The mysteries of the kingdom are not discovered through information, they're discovered through revelation. And so if you lean on or if you value the wrong things such as Nicodemus, you're gonna find yourself more and more perplexed you're going to find, how is this possible? How can these things be? And we know believers that even when we try to just cover the basics, just the surface stuff, they get locked up because they're relying on information, not revelation by the spirit of God. There's a hearing and a seeing that we're going to find out. Jesus says you have ears to hear, but you don't hear. You have eyes to see, but you don't See, and we have to fix this problem in the church. Otherwise, we're going to keep, keep going through religious practice, go to our church services, jerk and jiggle, have our moments, have our emotional times, but yet not be redeemed, restored any different. We're going to not be changed in the brain and remain the same. Church is full every weekend that have people in congregations that aren't gaining any advancement in the kingdom of God. They have resulted to, resorted to entry level Christianity. There is a kingdom that is a threat to darkness. There is a kingdom that is a threat to the stronghold of the enemy. There is a kingdom that will war against the gates of hell and tear them down, but it's not entry level. 
It's not. It's not waiting and standing by for Jesus to come back through the clouds. It's not praying to Jesus every time you have a problem without recognizing I have the authority. I have the power. My words, his word in my mouth is just as powerful as his words in his mouth. I can speak to the thing. I love the instance where, you know, Jesus shows up in the synagogue and, and a demon possessed person shows up and comes down and throws himself down at Jesus. Well, the people gathered at the synagogue all the time. Why didn't that demon possessed man get cast out any other time, any other service? Because it's not information that's going to overthrow the kingdom of darkness. It's revelation. When you get this in your spirit, not just fill our notebooks and fill our heads. We live, we have people, we have Christians today, full notebooks and empty lives. Come on, guys. We, the, the Bible tells us we're going to heap up for ourselves teachers. Guys, in these last days, we're not going to have a shortage of teaching. God, we got more than this planet has ever had. We've got every podcast, every YouTube, every channel, every radio station, every TV station. We got Christian television networks, not just the show. We own the entire stinking network. It's global going around the world, printing as much as we want. We've got way more, but I'm concerned that we're doing far less. I don't know that we're doing better with the uh, overindulgence that we have. Heard of a missionary, took Bibles over to China, opened up the box, and they just throwed themselves, just ripping at the, some of them were uh, only successful to get a page of the Bible and they would hold that page all wrinkled and crumpled for years, reading the one page of the Bible. I think sometimes we lose the value when we have over too much, easily acquired. No, we've got to gain a value for the things of the kingdom once again. We've got to turn our hearing, our seeing into something more than just religious practice. We've got to turn our hearing and our seeing more than just sitting in a pew, look, checking our clocks. We've got to turn our hearing and our seeing more than just jotting down a few notes, but not applying the word, hiding the word in my heart that I might not sin against you. This kingdom rise, right? Look at this mystery. Romans chapter 11. Give you a few verses here. It's a mystery. How is it that we could be, have so much access, but yet still miss what's right in front of us? Romans chapter 11, verse 25. I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. Everyone say mystery lest you should be wise in your own opinion. The blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come. Paul writes, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery. Ephesians chapter one. Ephesians chapter one and verse seven. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us, everyone say it, the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ as a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. Colossians chapter one. Colossians chapter one. In verse 24, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you. Fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Verse 26, the mystery. Everyone say mystery. mystery. Which has been hidden. That's interesting. Why would he hide it? The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed, not informed, revealed. We'll say, well, if it's been revealed, why don't we all see it? Because you have to yield to revelation. 
Yielding to revelation is much different than yielding to information. And that's what we're going to dive into. It says that uh, it has now been revealed to his saints, verse 27, to them God willed to make known. What's that tell me? That I'm not missing the revelation because God's withholding something. I'm not missing the revelation because God doesn't want me to see it. Because he's playing this hide and go seek, this cat and mouse game of catch me if you can, uh, you know, dangling it out and oh, no, not yet. No, there's something on our end, something on our part that either clues us in or keeps us on the outside of this mystery. God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Reading this in the, the Passion Translation, verse, beginning with verse 25, this is the very reason I've been made a minister by the authority of God and a servant to his body. So that in his detailed plan, I would fully equip you with the word of God. I, I, I'm so thankful of my legacy, of my heritage, attending Raymond Bible Training College uh, when I did, and the value they have for the Word of God, understanding that we are developing ministers not just to fill a pulpit, not just to answer a vocation, not just to collect a paycheck, not just to, to, to gain an occupation or go into ministry. This was a calling upon our lives. Yeah. This was an assignment. That can't outrun it. I'll never be satisfied doing anything else. But the power of it is in this. I fill this pulpit. I operate in my role as a pastor to equip people with the word of God, equipping the saints for the work of ministry. I'm not collecting a check. I'm not appeasing people. I'm not saying things to please people or gain a crowd, keep a crowd, get a crowd. Those things don't matter to me. I preach for one reason and one reason alone. By the authority of God, a servant to the body that is detailed plan, I would, I would fully equip you with the word of God. And that's what Paul said was his mission. That was his assignment. He says there is a divine mystery. A secret surprise that has been concealed from the world for generations, but now it's being revealed, yeah. unfolded, and manifested for every holy believer to experience. Living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest. Everyone say treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people. And God wants everyone to know it. God wants everyone to know it. He wants you. Say that with me. Say, God wants me to know the mystery. Say it again. Say, God wants me to know the mystery. He's not hiding it from you. He's hiding it for you. He's not withholding. You know, remember, that was the, the, the uh, nature of the snake in Genesis chapter 3, questioning and challenging the nature of God. God is withholding something. From, did God surely say? No, he knows that if you eat of the fruit of that tree, you'll become like him, knowing good. He's keeping something from you. We've all either been in this state ourselves or know someone that has been, that has made this statement, I know there's more. Come on, if that's you, at, at any point in your life, your walk with the Lord, you, you made this, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. Uh, Pastor Daryl just said that last night in his own personal testimony. As a, as a young college student in Tennessee, I know there's got to be more than just good, living by this life, trying to be as good of a person as I can, win as many people to Christ as I can. There's got to be more. And guess what? God is saying there is more. And I've hidden it for you. 
And there's a way for you to tap into the revelation power so you won't just merely be informed of my kingdom, you will be empowered in the kingdom to literally walk it out, demonstrate it, live it out. But it's only going to come through revelation. The word mystery literally means this. The Greek word mystery here, it means a secret thing. It means a hidden thing. A secret thing, a hidden thing. We already made this statement. A mystery is not discovered through information. It is discovered through revelation. And if I understand truly that the degree of the kingdom being exhibited in my life, the capacity to which I live the kingdom life is directly, it directly correlates. It is either enhanced or limited by my ability to see this mystery. Then I want to go after this mystery with everything that I have. I want to go after this mystery. I, I don't ever want to come to church just going through the motions. I don't ever want to sit in a conference, listen to a podcast, put the word of God on. I never want to go into my daily devotion time with just casual, passive, just trying to check a box and get it done. I will never approach it that way again. There's going to have to be an urgency. There's going to have to be an intentionality. There's going to have to be a fervency about which we honor, value, and go after the word of God. It has to be a treasure. It has to be a treasure. Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to pace myself because I've got three sessions to build on this. He says, you can't even see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. Noting that being born again ought to be marked by seeing, hearing, and entering into his kingdom. Matthew chapter 13 is the parable of the sower. Jesus says that if you don't understand this parable, you won't understand all the parables, any of the parables. It's a very important concept and principle, an element that he's trying to help get across in how we receive the word of God and how we receive, hear, see this mystery that we're talking about. And up through verse nine, Jesus is talking to the multitudes. He's talking to the multitudes and he makes a statement uh, uh, you know, regarding a, a sower goes to sow the word of God, right? We know that he sows the seed on four different types of ground. This is kingdom rise. I know that you know this. You got the stony ground, the thorny ground. You got the one that starts to uh, bring forth, but it gets, you know, burned up by the sunlight and the elements and all those things. And then you got the good soil, the good ground that becomes uh, productive. It reaps a harvest 30, 60, and 100 fold, right? We know this. Well, look at this in verse 10. Verses 1 through 9, he gives the parable. Verse 10, and the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? Why do you speak to them in parables? This is Jesus' response. He answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know, here it is, the mysteries, everyone say mysteries, the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But watch this. He says, but to them, it has not. Amen. To you, it's been given the capacity to know the mysteries. What? The secret things, those hidden things, those things that are not easily uh, uh, received, easily just laid around for anyone to come pick it up. It's amazing that Jesus would draw a line here. The, the, the inclusive Jesus, right? The uh, everybody's allowed, the all accepting, the all loving Jesus draws a line and says, there's an us and then there's a them. And you have found your way on the side of the us conversation. He just got done preaching to a multitude. A multitude could be thousands, tens of thousands of people. And his disciples, those closest to him, come and say, why do you talk to them in these parables? 
Now, for the longest time, I preached and, and, and I understood it this way. And there's an element of truth to it that Jesus used parables as a way to in- illustrate unseen things. And that's a true statement. It's a teaching element. But Jesus actually reveals a deeper thinking, a deeper understanding of why these parables were uh, uh, such a useful tool to his. And he says this, I was actually using a parable to conceal a thing, to hide a thing, to keep something a mystery. Again, this is the the all-inclusive Jesus. Jesus wanted to get his message out. He sure did. But he was also careful of how he portrayed it and how he delivered it. And in such a way that unless you desired to know, you wouldn't know. And this this is what Jesus did with parables. If you don't want to know, I'll make sure you don't know. And this is what we're going to spend some time discovering. If you don't want to know, he'll make sure you don't know. And it's actually, guys, it's actually the mercy of God. Because the second you know, you become accountable for what you know. It's actually him withholding and saying, I'm going to hold this back because I know you're not ready to say yes. You're not ready to yield. You're not ready to respond in like manner. You're not. He even told his disciples one time, there's one, there's many more things I would love to share with you, but you can't. It's my mercy upon your life that I don't burn, burden you with this and put this upon you when you can't bear these things. Multitude can't bear it. But to you, he says, to you, it's been given to know the mysteries, to know the mysteries. Say that. Say, I can know the mysteries. Say, I will know the mysteries. He says in verse 12, here it is. For whoever has, to him more will be given. And he will have an abundance. that That doesn't sound fair, does it? He goes on to say, whoever does not have gets worse. Even what he has will be taken. This is a very weird system. The one that has will be given more. And it's very clear, not just to meet a threshold. He will have an abundance, a, a large supply, never in lack. Would you like to live your life never lacking revelation, knowing the will of God, an abundance this is what we've been preaching all year at, 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 in, in Valdosta, Anchor Faith Church, Valdosta. This is the year of abundant clarity. Not just enough to get me over, not just barely cutting it, an abundance of clarity. Am I right? Have we been ministering this? I got some of my Valdosta people in, in the house. We've been ministering. We will know, clearly know, no guessing, no wondering, no hoping, no wishing, taking a chance. We will know abundantly with clarity, the revealed will of God. But to him who doesn't have, the all-loving God, that even what he doesn't have will be taken away. It's a perplexing verse. It doesn't make sense. If he doesn't have, how how can something be taken away? What's he taking away if he doesn't have? Whoever has to him, more will be given, and he will have abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore, you know, when you see the word therefore, you got to find out what it's there for. Therefore, I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear. He's saying, I can't make it plain. I can't just leave it on the surface. He put it this way in another uh, 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 location. He said, I don't cast pearls before swine. I don't take something valuable. Meaning this, if you won't honor the value, I'm not giving you a discount. 
You ever tried to buy someone something from someone where they knew the value, understood the worth of something, and they're not budging, they're not coming off? There's no bargaining. There's no, if it's not that valuable to you, then pass you on by. Somebody will see the worth in it. See, when you discover your worth, you'll stop giving people discounts. <laughs> okay. Jesus knew the worth. He said, nah, this is too valuable to just leave on the surface. There's, there's, this, this, this is, there's too much worth in this. Just leave it laying around casually for a casual passerby to come by. No, you're going to have to show some intentionality. And if you have the urgency, you'll be given more and you'll, be, you'll have an abundance. But here's the thing. If you don't have the want to, then even what you have will be taken away. What does that mean? That you'll even lose the capacity to hear. If you won't hear, then you'll eventually not even be able to hear. And he describes this. And he actually says, this is actually prophetically spoken by Isaiah. Verse 14. Hearing you will hear and shall not understand. Seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. That means not only, not only that you won't hear, you've lost the ability to hear. The writer of Hebrews addresses this as well. He says, there's many more things I would love to bring to you, speak to you, but you can't bear them because you have grown dull in your hearing. Paul addressed this with the, first, the church in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Many more things I'd love to share with you. I cannot speak to you as to spiritual, but as to babes. Because you do not have the capacity to receive what I want to deliver. It's not on me. And I'm not withholding it. But you do, not, you do not have the capacity to receive. So not only, have you, uh, not, not only do you not want to hear, now you are losing the capacity to hear. Even what you have will be taken away. To him who does not have revelation, even what he has, the capacity to receive revelation, he'll lose that too. We'll end here and try to connect it next week. Romans chapter 10. We've read this verse time and time again. But as usual, what we fail to understand, we redefine. It says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, I think that we have, you know, not intentionally, but we tend to read it this way. So faith comes by hearing. I mean, I've preached it that way. If you hear the word, it'll stir up faith, build up faith in you. That's not what it says. It says faith comes by hearing. But hearing, or put it to you this way, the ability, the capacity to hear, that comes by the word of God. If I don't have a value for the word, if I don't honor the word, if I don't have an urgency for the word, I'll lose the ability to hear. Losing the ability to hear, I lose the capacity to build my faith. You got to see the connection. Faith comes by hearing. You can put a period there. You build faith in whatever you hear. I can put faith in God's word or I can put faith in CNN. I can put faith in God's word or I can put faith in the doctor's report. I can put faith in God's word or I can put faith in the bank account. Whatever you're entertaining, you're empowering. So it becomes a matter of what am I entertaining? What am I keeping in front of me? What do I treat as valuable, as honorable, as worth my time and energy? I got a note. I'm not in my church, so I can say this. I got a few of our people, but two weeks ago, not yesterday, but last Sunday, got a note Monday morning in the tithe and offering. 
Got a little note. Pastor Mark, I love your messages. But once again, you have gone over an hour. And now I end up leaving service bitter and offended rather than encouraged. I will not be attending any longer. Isn't that hilarious? First thing I thought was, apparently I didn't go long enough. You still didn't get it. Needed to go another hour. No, it's when we learn to value. If you don't treat this as honorable, don't waste your time. Don't waste mine. It's that simple. I'd hate to waste your time. But just as Paul said in his assignment, I'm commissioned to fully equip you with the word of God. If it takes 32 minutes, if it takes 50 minutes, if it takes an hour and 10 minutes, I ministered for over two hours in Nicaragua and they hated it when I was done. And I was only done because I had to be because we had to move on to the next thing. I go to a third world country, they'll sit on a lawn chair. We got it too comfortable and too convenient. And then we wonder why we don't know the revealed will of God. We wonder why we don't understand his purpose and his plan. We don't understand why we don't see the demonstrations that Jesus saw. When you value the things the way Jesus values it, you'll get the results Jesus got. We'll finish tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com. 